Welcome to episode 11 of Consensus Unreality. Um, yeah. We've been away for a minute. Um, kind of forgot how to do this, but uh, we're back yeah. again. Here to talk about demonic possessions. Um, demons. Demons. <laughs> what that means. <laughs> Who are they? I think we kind what of, are they? Are like, they our foes? Friend yeah, we, or foe? We reached like the height of professionalism and now we're like getting back in the gutter <laughs> i know seriously all the way back down <laughs> like, uh yeah we're here oh, with wow. uh we're joined by a friend of the pod mike bruno musician and seer um he's he, he's back again dialing it back up with us for episode number two under his belt yep, yep. There thank you, you thanks for coming mike thanks for having me your original intention here was for this episode to be sort of Halloween related, but uh, yeah, yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> well, it's still you know it's still spooky out there. Um, yeah, I think the the problem is that it's not that we didn't want to get one in for Halloween. It's that we all enjoy Halloween so much that we probably celebrated it a little too hard. Well, At least I did. <laughs> yeah, I was. Yeah, uh, I went to a party. <laughs> what? <As is. laughs> I was, no, I was not at a party, but certainly possessed by some spirits. (laughs) Yeah, I was, we were, I mean, me and Mike went, uh, camping at the aforementioned Jenny Jump, um, which we've mentioned a couple of times. We were there on Sawin night, or I guess it was Hollow's Eve. Nice. The night before, it was mischief Mischief night. night. Yeah. Mischief. The devil's night. (laughs) It got got to the point where I was just screaming up the hill, like, Sawin! Come in! <laughs> Whoa. It was a nice time. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe maybe I did let something in um, going I, with the theme of this episode. Yeah. I heard there was some uh, wrestling matches that night. I don't know anything about that. Something scary jumped out of the woods and attacked me and was wearing, like, a jumpsuit. Whoa. Fucking buck wild. Anyway, we, uh, we prepared for this episode by reading Demonic Foes by... Richard Gallagher, which, um, let me see if I could get the title of this up without playing the audio here. Yeah, yeah. Um, cause there's, so, there's something else to the, uh, title there. <laughs> there's <laughs> the audio. And we're going to listen to the audio. <laughs> oh yeah. My 25 years as a psychiatrist investigating possessions, diabolical attacks, and the paranormal. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I th- we were pretty interested in this one in terms of demonic possessions, um, I think going back to our conversation with M. Elizabeth Scott, in which we talked about the Goetia bunch, um, which is a totally different take and understanding yeah. of you know the history of what we understand to be demons. Um, so we didn't want to read a possession book that was totally from the Judeo-Christian lens. So we thought we would, you know pick this one since it was coming from a you know a professional psychiatrist right. yeah, little practicing. did we know <laughs> yeah biggest catholic in the game <laughs> huge catholic it did it did end up that way um, which is it, I, I liked reading it um 
listening to it, I guess I did. But, um, yeah, that guy, I mean, every other page is like some shot at like, and you stupid non-Christians are always practicing these crazy things. And, yeah. yeah. But it was super informative. It's, it's structured weird because um, I feel like that is, is front-loaded in the beginning of the book where it's all the cases where he's, he's part of this, um, he's like a consultant for right the international exorcist society or something like yeah, that yeah and i think that the um the um exorcists that he worked with are the ones who are like closely related to like ed and lorraine warren actually and stuff um and they are the father conjuring, conjuring people right the yeah ed and lorraine warren are the conjuring people it's there it's that relationship is just like a small thread it's not right part of he, the does, he mentions it like a, like maybe twice yeah yeah, they're like the power couple of investigating the most right. famous hauntings. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and we'll and we'll get to them too because we're gonna try and do an extravaganza here where, you know, Mike did some preparation and and we both watched some sensational interviews with Ed and Lorraine Warren and um, Ed and Lorraine. Ed and Lorraine. There. Oh my God. Ed. Ed is like. I love how he gets so. I didn't realize how angry he was. Like he get he goes on like <laughs> Geraldo and shit, and um, they always bring on like the the most like hardline skeptic who is just like, <laughs> yeah, it's all it's all a bunch of baloney. And then Ed is just like <laughs> turns turns to him and is like screaming at him. Well, yeah. Yeah, rest in peace, awesome. uh, James Randi. Yeah. By the way, skeptics. Yeah. Just kidding. Not yeah. It's he's some old nowhere now. Shit. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, <clears throat> I liked the, I liked the book. I did too. Um, I think it's important what we, I think what we want to get into here is the whole conversation of like, you know, what is this aspect of the phenomena and, you know, what is its relationship to history? And then there's sort of the whole mm-hmm. other part of the conversation of, you know, the Goetia and then other, um, you know, magical practices where it's right. conjuring demons intentionally yeah. and you're binding them or, you know, as we talked with Elizabeth about more working with them. Um, right. He kind of goes mostly into like the way he treats it. It's like they're sort of this like un, like this crazy thing that'll happen to you and then you're screwed. Yeah. Well, there's, there's cases where, um, people were involved with cults and he mentions a lot about right. like, like pretty, if, if these are true stories, the, the cults were practicing, like, ritual sacrifices using, yeah, like, aborted one. fetuses yeah. and stuff. Um, very, like, satanic, panicky stuff. And For he, sure. He does kind of, like, sure. several times, he's like, and I don't want to, like, start, like, that up again. I think that that was bad, blah, blah, blah. So he does his, like, you know, due diligence with that. But Yeah. Yeah, know. and then there's, like, a couple interesting ones where it's just ra- sort of randomly happens or is almost passed down generationally but it is like understanding these things these entities as something very separate like a separate independent conscious um you know thing right um that is you know not at your beckoning but really is is at its own will or right. the will of Satan. <laughs> yeah, but they always, or almost always, in his view, will, like, sort of come under our control if we're using, you know, like, God or something, right? Very specific. Yeah, like the exorcism rites. Exorcism rites. Which is, I mean, it was all really fascinating. Like, as a, 
like entering into a really specific worldview, I found it like really entertaining and yeah, enlightening. Um, and for what yeah. it's worth, he was a practicing psychiatrist. So there's a right. lot of, he, he talks about instances where, you know, because of his relationship to the church, he would be recommended certain people and they would come to him yeah. and he'd say, you know, this is just um, like a, a disorder. Then you should, you know, right. be dealing with a trauma yeah. counselor or whatever, you know. By the end of it, I wasn't even, I didn't feel like I had a really firm grip on like what, like what made him, like he listed all these like things, but it still seemed a little, I don't know. I mean, I think it had to do with the way he would attack especially parapsychology, which he, like, hated. Yeah. Um, from, like, both the angle of, like, science, but also from, like, the religious side. So he'd really go after, like, anything to do with... Uh, anything, like, ever contacting anybody that's dead. They're always demons. Or, like, any time that, like, mm-hmm. you have a psychic ability, it's always demonic. Like... Right. It's very hard line in that way. Um, and that's how... From what I understand, that's how Ed and Lorraine Warren basically fell on it too was that it's because ed was famously said that he was a demonologist Mm. and um i think his um deciphering of cases haunted houses and and hauntings or um incubations or, or i'm sorry um infestations rather um i think he always kind of thought that it was a demonic presence rather than the presence of like a a dead person you know? Yeah, I'm sure they are. I mean, you know, who knows? That's yeah, yeah but that's a <clears throat> uh, an exciting prospect for sure. Yeah, I mean, the the whole it's really interesting for me because I think what gets me super involved in this whole thing is, um, you know, the relationship to say like thought forms, egregores, and. Um, you know, even sort of like the right. the ideas about conjuring and how, you know, if you listen to somebody like, um, what's, um, what's the Hermetic Hour's name? Uh, Poke Runyon. Yeah, Poke yeah. Runyon. Like, if you listen to Poke Runyon talk about the magical processes, he's, he's talking about it like it's just, um, aspects of your, the own, your own human psyche that you're right. applying these archetypes to. And it's always going back to that Jungian thing. But then with this book, and if you have any sort of inherent Catholic guilt, like I do, and I'm sure Mike probably is born with too. I've got none. I don't give a shit. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Nothing. You lucky dog. I don't know. It's kind of cool, though. It makes the world scary. Like if you're, if you hear some shit, like if you read this book, then like you turn off the lights in your room, you're like, oh, fuck. Is that. Damn that shit! I was doing I was fucking around that no, That's crazy. I have a very different kind of of guilt. <laughs> it's a yeah, that, that Catholic <laughs> thing. Self, self no, it's like the the great Jewish guilt of the centuries. Um, just kidding. I'm not Jewish. Don't don't spam our account. <laughs> what? You're not Jewish. I, I am. Yeah. Well, I'm not. Yeah. You know. Okay. Oh, who's, okay. Who's to say? Who's to say? <laughs> what am I? You know. Yeah. It seems like like whatever you have from your like growing up is just a lens with which to understand the strange st- stuff that happens I guess right. mm-hmm. and I, I really like that I think like that's what made Gnosticism was like this sort of light bulb for me mm. where you know I was interested in occult things for a really long time and then sort of really starting to read Gnostic texts and, and 
understand that expanded symbology while working with these totemic symbols that were ingrained in me from such a young age. It m- had that whole thing be really important to me. So I think that makes sense. Yeah. yeah not to sidetrack, but I, I do think like the, the systems to which the symbolic systems to which you're born into can be very useful in terms of like understanding the world. If you reassess them yeah. and re-engage them in a thoughtful way. Um, which this book does not probably do. I mean, it just understands them as they are, which is like, I mean, rightfully so. I mean, if, if, if I never have been haunted, I've never been possessed as That's far as good. I can yeah. tell. But if I was, you know, maybe I would just fall back on it in a very um, that makes, orthodox I mean, I would, way. Yeah. I, I mean, I've, I'm not even, I was not raised with any of this stuff I was raised with more or less nothing aside from like the various cultural like accoutrements um and we closed the window um it's always distracting yeah uh we were getting some street noise yeah i mean but i like it still seeps in so i mean and What was that? I don't know. Those, I mean, we're about to start doing the exorcist rites yeah, in here. Somebody, somebody barked like a dog. Outside. Start talking about demons are fucking popping their head in the yeah. window. Um, where were we? But yeah, I mean, having any kind of uh, family or cultural thing, I mean, you're yeah, no matter what, you're gonna have something. So it's good to, I mean, yeah, that's something that he talks about, like having that to having a strong spiritual base is important for dealing with these kinds of things. Yeah. And I mean, even if you build that yourself later and it has nothing to do with how you were raised, it's, I mean, I think it holds true. So in my experience, I grew up in a house that is, uh, I would say definitely was haunted. Um, being that I was raised Catholic, a lot of the strange things that would happen would take on a Catholic like symbolism or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, like for instance like when something kind of bad was on the tv and I'd be like worried that it was sinful for me to watch it and I'd like you know clap my hands together for a short prayer being like I hope this is okay and then it would turn off (laughs) or you know other times with levitation of objects that happen to be like spiritual objects like you know uh, rosaries and stuff like that yeah I mean those things are powerful I think um somehow I mean I think religion is usually true in some, like, I mean, I'm not making any big claims, but I think it's usually like <laughs> there's a truth to it that the spiritual world rec- rec- like recognizes even if you personally <clears throat> end up not, you know? Does that make sense? For sure. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as an adult, looking back at the strange things that happen and, like, trying to expand my understanding of these things, sometimes I wonder, like, was it my own thoughts and fears that, like, put these things in motion you know yeah yeah i mean i think that's something that we're gonna or at least i'm gonna talk about a little bit is because i've also um as sort of an analog to this or or an accompanying text to this episode i've been reading um egregores by um oh yeah by mark stavish and james wasserman um which I think is kind of a really nice bridge text to the the ideas that we mentioned before of sort of the relationship of controlling and binding or, or working with, you know, these demonic spirits or elementals right. for 
purposes of, um, I guess, spiritual ascension to a degree, or or then people also using them for earthly purposes, of course. Right. Let's uh, maybe we should define what an egregore is, um, like a large, like a thought form that is like larger than a single person's, right? Yeah. Is that how he sort of talks about it? Yeah, I think a thought, a contextual thought form that engages like a group of people and people feed into it with ideas. Right. But I think the really interesting stuff that he mentions, especially we could think about this in terms of demons too, because demons obviously have this really interesting history where I think it kind of, where do you think demonic history starts? Probably like somewhere before the Renaissance, but not like... You mean like like Christian demonology? Yeah, even I mean, so. I mean, yeah. because you have like certain... before Christianity. I mean, yeah, because they had them I in like everywhere. There's always been like malign spiritual beings. Yeah, but I mean sort of the... Yeah, but the, like the, demonology the, as such? If you like, look... Yeah. Yeah, if you look at the spirits in... However many, I forget the number. The spirits in the Goetia, mm. like the history of that isn't is probably younger than most people think because it relates sure. obviously to Solomon building the temple and Solomon the wise um, was sort of the one of the f- first like documented practitioners of magic and and conjured these spirits one of which was Basilbub Basilbub yeah. is all right so, so a quick side anecdote to get into etymology and stuff Basilbub is um, um, I should have researched this before I'm going to forget, but I think it's relating to the fly, which relates to Baal, who was mm. a Babylonian god. So a lot of the time, it's pagan Right, they're recontextualizing from, Recontextualized, yeah, yeah through, yeah. through etymology and stuff. I mean, then they did that with Pan and the devil, kind of like they... I mean, that was even yeah. later. They kind of took the goat-looking man and sort of mm-hmm. made that devilly. Um, so that's the lord of the flies, is Beeselbub. Right. And then you have all these other... Um, demons and stuff but and then so okay so you here's where the egregore comes in you create this history through these texts and you're you're creating a, myth, a symbolic mythology but then over time as such that happens with folklore people right. start to take it as orthodoxy mm-hmm. and they believe it and then once you feed your belief into it it goes from subjective to objective and it becomes independent of that original thought form so it right. no longer is bounded to its creator. It becomes... Yeah, it, it sort birthed. of breaks off. Yeah. yeah, I think that's really an totally. interesting way of looking at it. I think I, mean, I think that applies to most religious, or at least like mystical religious um, concepts. We'll kind of like, like they'll get a life of their own. Um, and a cool example he uses eventually in that book, I read that like, maybe it was two years, I don't know, whenever it came out and I was, I kind of forget most of it, but... He goes into like the Lovecraft thing and like that whole, mm-hmm. that all getting a life of its own. And that's like something we're still seeing develop now, which is, it's very cool to see like, cause you know, it's about a hundred years old and we still have, um, that, that's still very much developing the whole, uh, Lovecraftian like mythos. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting too. I, like I wrote down here, which I, I believe is a quote from well, my notes are always just like scribbled ramblings or whatever but i believe this is from the demonic foes it says the odd business of why proud and evil spirits want to destroy human beings hmm. like what it's kind of a funny thing like yeah. wh- why and how is that a part of um 
a reality that under a, if you look at it under a hermetic lens, everything is sort of interconnected. Yeah. So why is what is that? That's such a strange thing. Well, is it because we we viewed that with this sort of lens originally, like creating this mythology, and yeah. then it becomes reflexive, <laughs> becomes its own thing, and then right. acts as though as it was supposed to, as it was inherent, like inherent, it ha- acts with the inherent context it was born with. I don't know. It's, just, it's starting to get hungry. It needs to eat. Yeah. It needs to yeah. feed right. it, like energy. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder. I mean, yeah. Hermetic. I mean, are there demons in the, in the hermetic tradition? That's an interesting, I, I don't, don't, I don't think there are. Yeah. I don't really know as much as I would like to about the corpus hermetica yeah. and stuff. Like there I, are like spiritual beings for sure. But like, I don't think that, I mean, I yeah. think that sort of more is just the interconnectivity of everything and that yeah. and the the sort of idea of oneness like that one mind idea goes back to hermeticism. Yeah, I mean it would be interesting to see um which uh cosmologies lack uh malign spirits and cuz I mean most of them have a, at least a concept of it, right? Yeah. I like the, you know, I always like the poetry of Gnosticism and where there's sort of the dualism, but then everything gets reunited through this um, symbolic rite called the bridal chamber. Right. And then it sort of goes back to the Pleroma. We'll have to do a Gnosticism episode eventually. Yeah, Um, for sure. Yeah, I think, I mean, there's so many different like Gnosticisms happening, um, but there's like, there's that idea that the the demiurge or whatever the that's not like necessarily evil it might just be like it's ignorance I, yeah ignorant or like yeah yeah pride yeah. i mean that they're they're like early psychologists basically right yeah. yeah yeah um so we read that Gallagher book. <laughs> this uh, is going to be this whole episode it's just like <laughs> what, what demons else? and then oh, just like tunneling down into some <laughs> fucking crazy shit um because i it's i don't know like if you've never experienced something direct with what this guy's talking about it just becomes like a, a scary movie right you know which is cool like reading this book it was like and then there's also the i guess we should talk about the exorcist oh yeah that's a because he talks about that so much in the book yeah blatty a, was yeah. In, in, influenced by a real story right or like one main story, but then like other like like little aspects of others too, right? Mm-hmm. And I forgot. Now that I'm saying this, I remembered. I watched that movie, um, The Devil and Father. Yeah, Father something or other. I'm gonna have to like pull up everything. Luckily, I got my smartphone here. Yeah, I haven't watched that yet. Was that because he mentions that in the book too? Um, Maybe it was it was interesting for sure. Um, it's this very old Italian exorcist practicing in Rome. And they let Blatty film this one scene. Um, not oh. a scene. I'm, just, I'm thinking. I'm trying to think of the title and, and talk at the <laughs> same time. But they, they let him film this um, exorcism, and it's pretty interesting. Like I don't know if they added some effects onto this woman's voice who is having the exorcism performed on her, but the voice is like crazy. Like yeah. there's a 
something that happens in the trachea when like your voice fractures and it sounds like three different voices at once. Right. Almost like when you have like a bubble in your throat, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. it's like that. It, it does sound, it sounds like there's an effect on it. And I you, imagine that there is. I mean, yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, uh, yeah, I just wish there wasn't like, why, you know, why couldn't it just, I don't <laughs> right. know. I yeah. guess that's the thing about it though. Like if the you movie. don't, you either want to believe or you don't, I don't right. know. This is supposed to be real footage. It is, yeah. And it's in Rome. And Blatty, like, talks about how he was supposed to meet with this woman again. And then she, like, had this insane possessed fit outside of this church and in this little church or whatever. Um, it was it was an interesting watch. Um, I tried to get as much sort of possession stuff in as possible. Um mm. That speaking in tongues thing is like classic, uh, you know, exorcism moves, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. it's like, it's like, I mean, the phrase alone is probably so old speaking in tongues. Yeah. 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 Right. I, yeah. I guess we should talk about what are some of the aspects of a possession. I think xenoglossy is often one, which is like speaking right. in other languages you don't know. Yeah. yeah. Other languages you don't know. Usually like Latin. Right. Especially you know. like languages you like couldn't know. I think it's especially important. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if like speech, speaking like uh, modern French would like necessarily count, even if you don't know it, it's like, right. But like speaking like, I think especially like an ancient language Yeah. or, you know, a dead language maybe. And having, um, some extra sensory knowledge so right. like these people who are possessed can tell you things about yourself, your family, and can try to make yeah. premonitions about the future. I think this is where it relates to oracles, the history of oracles and fortune tellers and stuff. Yeah. Is the idea that people would contact these spirits through scrying and things like that. Yeah. And they would get this extra sensory knowledge through these entities. And it, but it's not always right. There, there's a, always that trickster element, right? Know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's always. I mean, yeah. That's one of the one of the main problems I had with the book. Again, is that he like comes up to these really interesting points, but then like we'll ha- we'll like back down and sort of be like, these people just they didn't go to church enough, <laughs> yeah. and um. But there's just like and like the way he like dis- he uh, makes a distinction between like a scientific like medical ailment and like a spiritual ailment is like so fascinating and really worth exploring how there's like some, there is sometimes like a, a distinction there. Um, and there's some like murky ground there too. And, um, maybe in a little bit, I'll talk about this other, this book I'm reading and the idea that like illnesses are caused by demons, I think is a really, uh, <laughs> kind That's of horrible treacherous water. Yeah, yeah. Um, just like, you know, but anyway, oh, that's that's where it gets super creepy and bad, kind of. Right, but that, that televangelist totally waters. There's like a distinction between like a spiritual and a medical ailment is is something that the Gallagher book really comes back to like again and again, and mm-hmm. and I think that's interesting because then like what I think because then you have to like decide what is what the spiritual is, and he like has a ready made answer and this like very like you know, 2000 year old tradition. Right. Um, but other people have traditions that are even older that also have answers. So it's like, there's all these different, Mm -hmm. like, how about like, um, addiction for like an ailment? What would you consider that? It's like, 
I know. I mean, I think that he would probably, because he's a psychiatrist, so he's yeah very open to like the fact that there are psychiatric illnesses. Yeah, I think he he is pretty clean about like so the the virtue of this book. I guess maybe it's kind of hard to see because it it does lay that lens that we talked about on kind of hard, but the virtue is like, this is a 25 year career yeah. and he's talking about the, a handful of the most extreme instances and then sort of contextualizing them historically a little bit. Right. Um, so I'm sure that within the scope of his career, he dealt with a lot of stuff where he didn't even mention the whole. Right. I imagine aspect. most, most of it was yeah. regular psychiatric stuff. And yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think it's because all right. So this book that I'm reading is uh, it's called Demons and Healing uh, by Ari Torreson, um, and he's an anthroposophist, and they have like this very specific uh, worldview um, or like spiritual system, and so he follows that. And I, you know, I've kind of been interested in them, not in a way where I would adhere to it. But I'm interested. It's like it's all based on like Rudolf Steiner and stuff like that. Um, but basically, he's saying that uh, demons are sort of. I'm, I can't get it. It's so, it's so complicated. But basically, that illnesses are not like they are caused by demons, but like that they also exist like in, in the material realm as like they are. But that you can more effectively cure them via spiritual means than via material science is oh, his man. claim. Yeah, it's a, well, sure. I mean, I'm sure there's like people argue for the power of like prayer and healing. Right. But um, it's almost like he can like see things like he like is a clairvoyant. So he like if you have a migraine, he like sees this thing sticking mm-hmm. out of your head. And his whole thing is that you can't just like take it and put it somewhere else because it'll just affect someone else. Yeah. It's like these things are like they, they can move around and they will and like you have to like transform it into like a positive thing. So it's all about this like transformation of, of demons into like something else. It's, I mean, it's a really fascinating worldview and I, I like believe him, uh, but I don't think that, you know, I believe that he's, uh, clairvoyant to some extent. I don't know. I think it, it seems, I mean, he seems like a benign and like interesting person. So I don't want to be like, you're a, you're a dumbass Cause I think he's like, <laughs> very intelligent and the book's fascinating but yeah it reads like someone who's like very deep into a very particular like magical system yeah. and like everything sort of conforms to that um i have a friend who uh doesn't we've like talked a lot about stuff and we have different worldviews and usually he doesn't talk about like things like ghosts and spirits which i am much more apt to accept i remember him uh telling me about his ayahuasca trip Mm-hmm. Uh, where this woman who was also undergoing, <laughs> you know, the whole gamut, uh, basically was like exercised, and uh, he saw, albeit tripping, um, he saw her vomiting out demons. Mm. That's what he described uh, the visuals as, yeah. and that's what she was feeling too, and that's what the whole. Um, you know, whoever the practitioner was with them, like, was trying to get the demons out of her. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, as far as that stuff goes, I think, personally, I'll not wear flip-flops when I'm trying to trip over my own words, but, like, (laughs) (laughs) I just think, like... It's important, though. That's, like, it's so uh, 
involved in the history of demonology, like how they like create illness? No, I know. And I think that everything, we have this insanely complex symbology of, of our linguistic understanding of the world. And Mm -hmm. that's how we read the world as neuro-linguistic programming. Wait a second. (laughs) Yeah. So it's such a big part of, of, of everything, obviously, like we, we, expound language onto the world so then the world expounds language back onto us that's how we've come to understand the world so i think that like everything is embedded with symbols and like i said i don't want to trip over myself too much but i don't like the relationship between a demonic possession and illness Mm -hmm. you know i i can get in the headspace where i can see a relationship there yeah. Um, not in like, so, oh God, like even saying that, I feel no, like I tough. just like fucking totally. fell down a staircase, but like, I think about this a lot. It's, it's tough. I, I just think there's a, like, I, I believe in a, I won't say spiritual cause that sounds a little, that just doesn't sound good. <laughs> yeah. I, I think consciousness has a lot to do with the physical world, you know, sure. like I can, I can make loops there and connect that right. to a lot of things very easily. So I can see, you know, th- thought forming um, physical aspects of the world. And that's yeah. all I'll say. I, I still think that like, you know, you can't relate every ailment or you shouldn't relate right. most ailments <laughs> or things. To, yeah. yeah. I mean, but like, I think this is one of the, it's like a, once you like reach a contradiction or like a paradox, or like one of these like kind of, tangled areas you kind of want to figure out like what's happening there like i know why i mean so this book this book is like uh you know yeah it's coming from that very particular anthro anthroposophical uh it's a hard word to yeah, say anthroposophical uh, position <laughs> and i mean so you wonder like i mean there's always like someone will say like oh it's the placebo effect but like he has cured, he's a veterinarian and acupuncturist. So that's sort of his, he has like cured animals and people of things with this like method. Mm-hmm. And he goes into like this really in depth, like how he got these abilities, like this, like y- these years of practice and like spiritual attainment and stuff like that. And so, I mean, to dismiss it out of hand is like, um, I mean, cause that's what I want to do. Like, I think that people who equate some kind of like spiritual, purity with like a non-disease like body i think that's psychotic and like kind of like nazi-ish mm-hmm. yeah. so i think that but then like if you if this person is actually seeing these results what does that mean for like our, our concept of what illness is so i mean as someone who is like has dealt with like chronic illness it's kind of like i don't think it's not like it has nothing to do with any kind of moral or spiritual failure it's like mm-hmm. it's almost random Right. Um, or, or or genetic. So it's like, what does that have to do with spirituality? It, you know, it's just like it's it's one of those places where when you reach it, it's like there's no easy way to solve that without like saying something that it's kind of horrible. <laughs> so. Yeah, I think the thing with a lot of this stuff is that direct experience will affect your understanding or view so much more. Whereas I don't really have much direct experience with any of this. So I could read a book about how prayer, like a a group prayer and people concentrating 
their thoughts through prayers can affect somebody's illness. Right. What is that? There's that famous book about that. Yeah. There's a, uh, there's a the ton field. of stuff like that. Yeah. And yeah. I can, you know, I'm an understanding person, so I can say, well, that, I don't know. I could see that. Like right. that, I could see that happening, but I've never experienced it. So it's sure. hard for me to hang my hat on it. The same thing with like demonic possessions and, you know, right. being cured through this like Judeo Christian exorcism. It's right. the same thing. I'm just like, I guess I could see it, you know, but you, it's it's like reality tunnels, like the, what yeah, we sure. talked about in episode one with Robert Anton Wilson. Uh, like, I've since learned that Robert Anton Wilson was a CIA agent, so oh, we should not God. talk about this anymore. <laughs> Come on. Well, no, I, you know. so was McKenna, but and Leary, yeah, they all were. Yeah. Um, oh, that that film. I'm sorry, this that film I mentioned 20 minutes ago was called The Devil and Father Amorth. Um, he is like a demon's name. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty funny. Was that? Is it worth watching? Is it a wreck from the pod? I think it's it's worth watching um, because all right. So if you wanted to watch an exorcism, and I think the only stuff that you could actually watch footage of would be some dude on a stage in an amphitheater, like yeah. hitting some guy in the forehead and smacking right. <laughs> the demons out of him. You know, yeah. Is that like Pentecostalism? Is that what that is, yeah. or is that evangel? Like, I, I'm a little fuzzy on the Christian denominations and like cults and stuff. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess like B- Baptists probably do that, and yeah. Pentecostal. Um, but yeah, who's like the guy, what was that video of the guy laughing about Biden winning? <laughs> like, yeah. what, is, what is he? Dude, that's pretty amazing. It's like, we're 36 minutes into this. We haven't even talked about the election. Uh, we should get into that too. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he's trying to end the era of demonization in America. Yeah. So it's, it's, The news is saying Joe Biden got elected. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's one for the books. I like this stuff when they line up like seven people on a stage and they just go down the line and like smack yeah. <laughs> the demons out of all. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean that's so powerful. Like all those people around you who believe in that. Like I, even from a psychological perspective, I guess it's probably doing something, right? Yeah, definitely. Even like um, I was listening to something today about uh, I forget the dude's name, but not through any type of like. Uh, Christian lens or anything, but basically tries to help people who are uh, under some type of, you know, demonic or whatever problem. And one of the things that he does is he puts them in the shower. It's almost like baptism, Mm -hmm. but he's not a Christian. Um, But it's like the process of like being water being on you, uh, like changes your energy field. It's like symbolically cleansing, but actually cleansing. Yeah. I mean, people are baptizing Mm -hmm. people before christ i mean didn't christ like find john the baptist doing that yeah so it's like yeah there must be something to that uh i think that's that's probably a sort of primordial like physical thing you know the womb yeah rebirth i mean yeah but yeah i mean water is also like a really weird substance so i imagine i'm like you know immersing yourself in it with the intention of something is, is powerful yeah it always helps me. Like I, I'm, a, I'm a fish, you know. I hate, I hate taking showers. But I think I'm just insane. Oh, I love being in the ocean. Well, that, like, that's nice, but that's like yeah. that's like a spiritual experience. Like mm-hmm. no matter what, because it's like so you're like on the edge of this massive like thing that people have been seeing since you know forever. <laughs> that they came out of. Right. Yeah, they <laughs> crawled out of it. Um, I'm gonna pause real quick.
enjoying it, but I think it's interesting. I hit record just for the hell of it because I just wanted Ben to say it's Colty and then I could <laughs> add it in at the end. Now you're just going to hear me be like, the Waldorf schools. Yeah. Um, to peel back the curtain, we took a short break, um, I think, to revisit the fact that we said that all illnesses are caused by demons. Right. We did not say <laughs> We did not say that. Um, yeah. How about, like, um, psychosomatic illnesses? Like... Like, how would you classify that when you just, like, worry yourself sick or, or you yeah. know, you just convince yourself? Like, like, do you think that's often misinterpreted as, as like, a demon possession? Some type that's of, interesting. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm, we're not, well, I don't know. I'm not an expert. I'm, but, uh, I'm an expert in on either. demons. <laughs> demon, you should go the Ed Warren route. Right. I have three. I am a demonologist. Uh, I binded it to this chair. I put the demon in the television. I don't know what he sounds. That's what I imagine. You got to get like a a can of Coke <laughs> and you just bind a demon to a can of Coke. Yeah. Don't yeah. open it. Like a yeah. genie in a bottle, but yeah. That's, that's a, oh yeah, uh, gins, right? That's a, like another the gin, yeah, gin. Um, well, that's that. I was, love that stuff. That's fascinating. Yeah, because they're like a little bit more like, um, they're a little more interesting than like the classic like Christian demons. Mm-hmm. They're like almost like because they're like they can be helpful and they can be like, they're like I guess like I think of demons as like uh, these immoral like things. And I think of the uh, these other like <laughs> these other demonic like or demonic adjacent traditions is like amoral. So like sometimes they'll help if it right and yeah. um, similar like uh, conjurers trying to conjure elemental spirits. Like mm-hmm. you know you can yeah. perhaps like get a bunch of gnomes to come help you with your garden, right. but then like if you don't take care of your garden on your own part or like keep a messy house, they might like start pulling some poltergeist. Stuff right. on you. So yeah, here's that, that like cheesecloth um, pathway that we walk on. Mm-hmm. Um, cheesecloth is like that thin. I know a cheesecloth. Cloth or oh, cheesecloth pathway. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. What like so? Do you think that something like elementals, um, ETs, demons, is it all just like a a variation of thought forms? That. Aliens? You're saying aliens aren't real? Is that what the is that the the podcast line now? <laughs> <laughs> we're at, we're an aliens aren't real podcast. <laughs> aliens are demons. Well, I don't know. Like a lot of the time, no, totally. Yeah. We fall back on that that um, you know, that Jungian explanation, which is so simple, you know. But at the same time, like when a fucking demon is like making you kill your wife or something like is it that simple (laughs) i have a wife my wife yeah i mean i I think it just comes down to people have been forever trying to understand the things that they witness or endure and it's such a shadowy realm that we do come up with all these different solutions like not solutions but um terms to describe them by right and you know all these traditions have all these different terminologies and you know from my experience, having weird stuff happen, I was put on the path to explore that too. And that's why I got yeah. interested in this stuff in general is to know how to talk about my experiences and how to like think about them in a more logical way than just that Jesus is angry at me or something. Right. Yeah. Right. 
Well, Jesus is definitely angry at me. He doesn't seem like he gets too angry. That's, That's not true. his like shtick. But then there's also it? like he's like disappointed. The evangelical like even thing where it's like <laughs> the sword of God and all that stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The I mean they've kind of rebranded Jesus as like a warrior god. I which think is the Romans did that. Well, the it, well, yeah. yeah. Caesar's God. Caesar's Messiah. There's that book. Like, yeah. Julius Caesar invented Jesus because he wanted like the. I like that kind of stuff. Oh, that stuff is really interesting to me. Um, I think because there's there's um, a lineage of the dying god history, right? Mm. You have Horus, Osiris, Tammuz, right. um, Mithra. Mithra. Um, Big guy. Serapis. Serapis. Um, Ser- yeah. Serapis is like a is a very esoteric one that was in Egypt, but it was a bearded fellow. Who was also a dying god. Um, yeah, I wonder, is there like a... I always think about the history of like the different portrayals of these gods. Like, like when did we start thinking of Jesus as having a beard? Did everybody have a beard? Like, why does he... Part, like, I think that's symbology. A, you know? I think that's a like fitting it to... So if we're talking about that book that you're talking about... Which one? Um... Um, the, the, <laughs> did that come through? I hope so. Um, the, the Caesar's Messiah thing? Hell yeah. Um, I don't know. There was some book that came out and I can't remember what it was called now, but it was all about, and like I said, this whole episode is just going to be a bunch of fucking small wormholes that we go down, but that's fine. That's nice. We've been, we've been away for a while, so we've yeah. been stockpiling some, some stuff here. Like. Uh, Jesus's beard. That's where we were. Yeah. Well, I think the whole physical depiction. Um, originally, I think the f- the first known paintings were, um, in cavern or like little cave sort of of Jesus. Yeah, was the gentle shepherd. That's uh, like the first, and it was almost like a boy. Yeah. Um, that's the first paintings that we have of of the mm. Jesus Christ, and then. Once the Romans adopted it with Constantine, then it sort of became this very regal um, papal image mm. of the iconic, like very, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's just a very regal Christ, like king, the kingdom of God. Yeah. And that sort of depiction comes with like that. Mm. And then it goes into the Byzantine era. Byzantine? Byzant- yeah. Byzantine. Byzantium. Byzantium. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's interesting. I don't know. I mean, and this is, I mean, in terms of demons, this is also important, like the way we think of them visually. Right. Because, um, I mean, if you like, I just, ca- I can't imagine that they look like anything, you know? Like the... Right. We have, we apply basically just like discarded gods mm-hmm. to, to describe them, like almost in kind of like a, I mean, Christianity like kind of was like, trying to dissuade believers of these pagan religions by like saying you've been worshiping like a demon. And then eventually they just developed into these, these weird demon looking things. Yeah. I think personally, I'm really interested in the history of, of Christian symbology because like I mentioned previously, it's some like was born Catholic and you get raised in the Catholic church. So like sort of dissecting these symbols and then, 
that that history of the dying god mythos like yeah. translated into the Christ, which it wasn't early on. If you read sort of the Gnostic texts about Christ, it's actually a very small, exclusive kind of, um, I don't want to say guru because I'm going to get a lightning bolt through my chest, <laughs> but like it, it, there is that because in the, the round dance of the cross, which is actually in the Acts of John, I believe, but it's like a Gnostic poem. Mm. And and Jesus says to his disciple, it's a it's a really beautiful poem actually, and there's some very beautiful symbols in there, which we could get into at a later time. But one of the things that I remembered earlier today that Jesus says in there is keep keep my secrets, like mm. don't tell anybody. This is specifically <laughs> for you, this small <laughs> really group of disciples. Yeah. yeah. It's and, like a billion people now. Yeah. The whole the whole Gnostic thing is is very different and and that probably precedes or it does precede the whole um idea of jesus christ what that figure meant and what that figure was now right i mean they were kind of i I was rereading this the gnostics by jacques le carrier Mm -hmm. and that's a really fascinating book it's almost like it's not a straightforward history of gnosticism it just uses them as like a but he does end up telling the history of gnosticism and especially how they were like sort of like competing with Christians at the time while like sort of like apparently taking like some of the Christian stuff, but like they were really like kind of like a competitive uh, contemporary of Christianity. Well, Valentin, Valentinius rather, yeah, yeah, yeah. was going to be like the main bishop, um, yeah. which is interesting because we now regard Valentinius as like the father, one of the forefathers of Gnosticism. Totally. Also, um, Basilides. Heretics. Yeah, the heretics. But I think there's also then the relationship to the son of man mythos, which Mm. comes out of um, the Dead Sea Scrolls, which is the Essenes. Yeah. And that sort of, that has a relationship to some stuff which is in the book of Daniel, some some prophetic things that are in the Old Testament. Um, But it also is has more of a political tinge, which I think was, mm. there was sort of something stoking at that time where there was a lot of um, discontent with the, the, what's the word, like the um, hierarchy. Yeah, there was election the fraud. Now. Yeah, yeah, there was election <laughs> fraud. Count every vote. <laughs> count every vote, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, don't count every vote. What, I don't know. What are, what are they saying? I think they say both. Yeah, they say both. <laughs> Back and forth. But I, yeah, I think that yeah. that stuff it's it all happens in in the course of like this this character morphs so much talking about the character of Christ like the idea of mm. it morphs so much in probably 300 years where it changes yeah. very drastically from something more like the Buddha um where it's like this teacher right. imparting this gnosis onto this small sect of disciples. Yeah. Um and there's a lot of far out stuff in in Gnosticism, and then it sort of yeah. gets put through this funnel, and becomes the Roman orator almost, right. like acts as Augustus, yeah, um, stuff like that. I mean, yeah. Well, hmm. getting back to uh, to demons. Yeah, uh, really. <laughs> um, I listened to a man today describe demons visually that he's oh, seen. Yeah? Um, he described one as boar-headed with horns and tusks, but like humanoid 
like a minotaur almost. Oh, great. Um, I love that. With two smaller companions, both of which were wearing um, conquistador-like helmets. Whoa. And then another experience that he had and visually described the attack was uh, almost like this um, like Lovecraftian blob with a bunch of like tiny little tentacles sticking out, but like some were bigger than others. Mm. And they were all like coming in his direction. Damn. What was this? Uh, it was just like a scattershot of stuff I was listening to today about mm. like um, protection from demonic attacks. Huh. That, yeah, that's that's an interesting... Yeah, the whole... All these like different ways of protecting yourself yeah. against demons. Um, it's interesting how much they... The portrayal of demons, they look like Pan, as you mentioned before. Right, or... Well, I mean, and they don't ever look like any of the other Greek gods. Well, what is Pan? You know, if right, we want to dissect that, Pan yeah. is like the the god oh. of the wheel, the earth. Yeah, you the, know? the god of this world. Yeah. Um, which is Satan, too. Right, exactly. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, I mean, so I'm reading this uh, Roberto Colasso book right now. It's kind of a retelling of, of the Greek myths. And I mean, I, you know, I love the Greek myths. They're so they're you know they're wonderful but none of the i feel like none of the gods are like all that much more evil than any of the others so it's it's interesting that i think that it might just be like the depiction of a human animal hybrid type thing mm-hmm. that that appealed to people's like fear as a demonic portrayal um but they could have went with like any of the egyptian gods i mean mm-hmm. or you know like it's just, i I, fi- I find it interesting that pan i guess yeah, I mean, I don't know enough. About, I know a little bit, but I don't know enough about the history to be like, they did it for this reason. Um, I think it's just as simple as like, what is Pan, you know? Like the Pan is, is the earthly god, the god I that makes... I guess it's like lusty too. Yeah, yeah. Like with the satyrs and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Or satyrs. Or yeah. And then there's this sort of asceticism of Christianity where it's like, you need to deny right. this world. This is Satan's playground. <laughs> I mean... And that's another reason I like the Gnostics is that they were right. so indulgent. Um, well, some of them were. Some of them were like, you should never, ever have a child because you're trapping another the part of... Yeah. Yeah. But then some of them are like, it really doesn't matter. But I think the Cathars even historically were... There was um, an ascetic sect, which was like people mm-hmm. who felt like they were ready in their sort yeah. of like karmic cycle to take on that right of of um do not completely denying this world and then trying to like ascend but then everybody else right. was sort of just free in this in this like uh, uh i don't know just just free i think is to right. to explore and, and do things like that from what i understand that there's that one yeah. book um oh man what is this book called there's a great book on the history of the cathars and and is it called the cathars no um, i know there's a few called the cathars just it's specifically about um, Languedoc and, mm. you know, that Cathar sect, because I think then there's also sort of the Cathar relationship to um, the Manicheans. Right. And Man- that Manicheans. Man- yeah. Mani. Yeah, Mani. I yeah. love that we just like Monty. butcher every pronunciation. I mean, it's funny because you just read all this stuff. and then I think that's like a, 
in my podcast listening experience, I think it's really common for people to just be like, I've only ever read this. So, right. Yeah. So I'm just going to call it like, I can't think of a funny example. Yeah. I'm fine with that. <laughs> um, anyway, I don't, yeah. I mean, but it, it's funny though, because you like what you're talking about, Mike, like that portrayal of demons, like, is that just a projection? Right. I mean, would we have a blob looking demon before? like Lovecraft describing like indescribable things. Right. I mean, I, I wonder that myself too. Yeah. I mean, do I wonder if we do like, that would be an interesting thing to look into. Like if there are like these formless, I think it, it might have to do with like when different cultures discovered, um, like octopus, <laughs> like when they had like the language to think about tentacles and stuff. Um, it's all it, uh, it 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 straddles some like keel territory there too. Like, does the abduction phenomena directly relate to demonic possession? You know, is that just another lens to yeah. which people are understanding what's happening to them? That's I mean that's a perennial question in this field. Like, yeah. Um, how how linked are like the, the alien thing to like fairies or demons or whatever? Yep. Um. And surprise, I, I've been reading a third companion text to this episode, which What's is that? The Eighth Tower. Oh, yeah. That's by John Keel. Um, and that's one. kind of like this idea of the ultra terrestrials. Yeah. And I, I love Keel so much because he, he almost developed his own. Um, I guess he was trying to create, his, not trying to, but yeah. inadvertently creating his own orthodoxy in a way of this mm. like tricksterism. Right. Yeah, he was like a, a Fortean, Fortean that became like a Keelian. Yeah. He like kind of like, I think he took a lot from Fort, but mm-hmm. he, he, yeah, he gave it like um, more of a sense of intention. I guess Fort had like those cycles, right? Like he had like different, like, like there were ages of different things happening, but I think Keel has like more of a cosmology, even if it's like a kind of an agnostic cosmology. Yeah. 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 I, I really like that keel pointed the telescope like directly at it though and was yeah. like I, I i see this for what it is <laughs> like it's like paranoid gumshoe yeah journalism no, he's great i yeah. mean i wonder i wonder what, where where he would be at today with like the current state of uh of this whole because like he's influenced it so much um when did he die i guess in like like 2005 or six or something mm-hmm. like that yeah um yeah, I always just wonder what people would think of, like, the really crazy stuff happening right now. Yeah. I mean, I think that the whole political conversation relates to the egregore, too. And it people does. Cre- I mean, he talks about that. Stavish does. Right. Especially, I mean, I think especially with with Trump, the egregore is very powerful. Because mm-hmm. people, like, literally can't see him. Like, or they see something that, like people who don't like him, like they see something completely different. Yeah. Which I think is probably more realistic. Like, I think if you really looked at him as like an objective person, he's like really like kind of shitty. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, apart from whatever, like, I think we're not going to like argue about the, his, <laughs> his like policies or whatever, but yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, like the cult of Trump, like not even like just people who voted for him out of like self-interest, like, but like people who are like in the cult. Yeah. And then there's the whole Q thing. I should make, I should yeah. add in like a wave sound right here where we flip to like a leftist podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. um, I mean, 
Yeah, all the leftist podcasts are... Well, I guess it depends what happens with uh, them trying to, like... I guess, yeah, this might age really poorly or really well, depending on, <laughs> on what happens. This is, uh, when is this? The, the 10th of November. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean. I think it's interesting, um, in Egregore's book, he talks about, um, Eliphas Levi. Eliphas Levi? Yeah. I'm just gonna. Yeah. Eliphas Levi. Eliphas Levi. Yeah. yeah. Levi's. Um, who we haven't really talked a lot about, but he's we so... We should. He's so influential. Yes, yeah, so influential, What was too. his name? He had a... Um, he was a French man. And I used to know more... I mean, when I was in my extreme interest in the occult, I was like, I know these names. Now I'm just like, what was his name? Yeah. It's too many. Yeah, there's so <laughs> many people. Um, yeah, I mean, he's one for the books, if only because of his Baphomet illustration, but he's also like a really yeah. interesting thinker. Right. He, he created that most famous Baphomet right. illustration that is everywhere now. I find him, there's, um, a book by James Webb, I think it's like the occult underground and it's a, and that guy's, we should talk about him sometime. I think it's James Webb. He died under like, yeah, by suicide under very extremely strange circumstances. Um, after looking into Gurdjieff for like a lot of mm. time, and he was like a skeptic who kind of like came to be like, "Oh no, like this is all real and it's really messed up and it's terrible." Um, wow, damn! But what, he, what is all real? Um, he like I think he had like something about like some vision he had of like the eternal return like that you have to like reincarnate like this horrible like it sounded like a really nightmarish thing and yeah but he wrote these two books the occult underground and the occult establishment about like the occult throughout history as like a and a lot of a lot of the first book is about uh Eliphas Levy yeah Levy um who was just kind of tying it back to the decadence of the last episode right he was so part of that occult revival of like the late late 19th century um yeah he represents sort of the re-engagement of all that stuff and and translating the older grimoires into making sense of them in the modern world and he either i think he was like i can't remember anymore because like some of them went back and forth from like uh devout catholicism to occultism i'm not sure if he started as one or ended up as the other like which way it went i think he started as a no he started as a socialist I think he may have ended up as a Catholic. I don't remember, but he was an occultist for most of his fame. Yeah. So he, so Levi said um, that demons, succubi, incubi, and things like that were, um, and possessions um, were creations of human will and imagination. And then Stavish sort of talks about Mm. how projecting um, thought contents into the malleable substance of the astralite. So this sort of this idea of the astral plane where thoughts Mm -hmm. like um, have substance, right? Yeah. So that is where you're engendering demons and you're, you're creating these things contextually. Basically the Ari Torsen says, says the same thing that most demons are created by like, not like conscious intent to create a demon, but just by like bad deeds and like the bigger, the bad deed, the more, uh, like nefarious the, the demon and the more like hard it is to get rid of. Yeah. 
As in like, as in like the shells or like ghosts of like past bad thoughts and stuff like that. I think that's, I think that's what he says in this, in that uh, demons and healing. Like, I mean, it's almost like talking about like a like trauma or whatever. But it's more like they and they can move from person to person. Right. Right. Yeah. So they're like. Yeah, they are basically thought forms of, like, negative energy right. that's residual, um, is what I'm, like, gathering from this. Mm-hmm. I think that's, I mean, that's what that guy's saying, and it sounds kind of like that's what the Egregor book is saying. Yeah. Except there's, yeah, I mean, they're, like, almost, they're more culture-bound, too, right? Yeah. I, I This, I really like, I'm enjoying this episode a lot because I think we can, this is sort of like a, a door into a lot of different pathways because right. you can talk about the stone tape theory. Yeah. Do you know about yeah, that? Yeah, 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 yeah. How sort of like, well, like these traumatic events can they're cause. Stored, yeah. Yeah, they're stored. What, in like in, in just in the environment? In the environment. I mean, like the pseudoscientific um, engagement of it is like almost like vibrations, right? right yeah. So, like, if we, you can take this wall. And you can probably get like the sound of the the person who laid this wall whistling out of this wall. Right. So like everything is embedded through vibrations, whether yeah. it be emotional or sonic, or whatever. So when these like massive traumatic experiences happen somewhere like Gettysburg, where people famously always go see ghosts, take pictures of ghosts. Right. It's like the the thought of this historic catastrophic event is embedded in this place. Mm-hmm. And that's how it happens with haunted houses and things like that too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think when it comes to the experiencers, um, I'm interested in how, like I've heard like lots of stories of kids. It's like, and I was a kid when I had experiences like this, um, you like are able to see these things more regularly Mm-hmm. Um, until a certain age when you start to become calloused and the, your worldview is like solidifying and not allowing mm-hmm. anomalies in. Yeah. Um, but then there's also uh, troubled people when they're like low energy to begin with. I think they're more uh, susceptible to attacks from these entities that uh, may be hungry, like psychic vampires of sorts, you know? Mm-hmm. They feed off of the negativity. They're made of it and right. they feed on it. Mm. Well, I mean, in, in its simplest explanation, if something is made, is constructed from thought, is embedded with thought, well, then it's going to require more thought. Right. That's its life force, right? Right. Otherwise, it just fades. Yeah. Right. And, yeah, that's, I mean, that's why you see certain things, like, never mind. Historical ghosts? <laughs> I lo- no, like, uh, Political and historical I lost ghosts. my train of thought, but, like... Going back to like the whole egregor concept, having it need. I mean, I guess the most like it's kind of a not lame, but like kind of a normy, like Neil Gaiman's American Gods, being like these beings that only exist based on belief. Mm-hmm. But like they've and like that whole book, and I think it was a TV show that, like, there's, like, new gods coming that are, like, based on people's belief in, like, technology or, like, globalism, mm-hmm. like, that, like, these new beings are created based on um, people's, like, newer belief systems that are, like, warring with, like, older, dying beliefs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, you know, I've, I think other people did it better. Like, I think that's an old idea that like these beings exist because of our belief in them. Yeah. Not that old, but like it's relevant. But I think that's a good, like a, a touch point for like the concept of the egregore is these like, these gods that exist because you believe in them. And, yeah. I think that that concept holds water too because our lifespan really isn't that long in the in the mm. shadow of history, you know. Yeah. So it's it's sort of like the idea of the aeon of Horus or something, you know, which Crowley talked about. Which, if you subscribe to that idea, it's still happening. You're yeah. still moving away from gradually moving away from Christianity. But it takes generations. It's not like something you're going to see in your own lifetime, right? I think the, the like some of the, some of the Thelemites um, thought that there was a, another age that has happened, right? Like, I don't, I haven't, I don't, Charles, yeah, uh, Akkad or whatever, yeah. Like one of them was like, oh, it's actually a, we we have, we're out of the age of Horus, which was like twenty years, and we're in a new one. There, I mean, I, I don't, yeah, I'm not a huge. I like Crowley, but I don't really like Thelema. Yeah, same. I, I think like it it became its own orthodoxy, which doesn't really make sense to right. what he yeah. was after to me personally. Yeah. I mean, I guess, yeah, I'm not, I don't like care enough to be like they're like bad or like dangerous. I just think it's a kind of silly. Yeah. But, I, I, you know, and I have mixed feelings about him, but I think the whole idea of like the Aeons and stuff is relevant to this conversation for sure mm-hmm. i re- always remember um this one thing that stuck out to me in a i was listening to this podcast um i was listening to a cult of personality and it was mm-hmm. um this was probably like five or six years ago and it was an episode with david came smith mm-hmm. you know him he's like a kabbalist and artist it rings a bell but i don't not, not like well yeah he does like a, a lot of like pencil drawings, which are like very, they're Kabbalah, like they're yeah, about yeah, yeah. Kabbalah and um, they're, they're pretty cool. He's, he's, but listening to him speak is really interesting. And he talks about this idea of golemic vectorization, which always Ooh. stuck out to me, which is sort of like the, the host of the show was asking him about the idea of creating golems, Yeah, which is like, in, within Jewish mysticism is like bringing life to this lifeless form. Right. But it, it's a symbol, you know? Yeah. And what he was ascri- uh, ascribing this symbol to is like, could be something like addiction where you're creating this golem and then it's like mm. vectorizing in the world. So you're feeding energy into an idea. Okay. And then that can, idea about yourself. And then that, that, that has its becomes own life. a life form. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's so crazy. Like every mystical like tradition has some version of the thought form, um, and I guess, yeah, the golem thing is really interesting because, yeah, so much of that is like a, a not a social metaphor necessarily, but like a, the most popular stories about the golem are like situated in like Prague, right? And like during like this this terrible time of like poverty and stuff and like mm-hmm. they're not revenge narratives, but they're like they're um yeah, they're like they're these very complex sort of like folk folkloric tales. 
and it's I always think it's interesting when the, when the the golem and stuff like that is sort of uh, brought into like a system of magic that like has more of a coherence than folklore does. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. like uh, that like one like that one could create one of those like today. Yeah, um, I, yeah. I don't. I think that's what's so interesting about all this stuff, and is probably why we made consensus on reality to begin with. Is yeah. that you have a symbol, something very simple. Uh, at its most refined form, like even in, in a Ju- Judeo-Christian sense or something like Gollum, like a very simple folkloric story. Yeah. So if you smash that box open and then, then it's like 10 symbols and then those you can dissect historically, right. contextualize them. And then there's something underneath that. There's so many layers and then yeah. it just sends you on a, like a treasure hunt, almost like Da Vinci totally. Code or something, <laughs> but you're looking for yeah. some meaning and then, sort of the most simplest explanation like the Occam's razor <laughs> ends up like making right. sense. I don't, yeah, the razor is not sharp enough to cut, I don't think in this <laughs> in these situations. Not in these situations, but I mean you could get to something as dumb as like, for me, I always in my head, like a physical relation is always like particle wave duality. So like, it's it's the physical representation of these ideas where we see the world as a very physical form where it's, it's like the stone punch fallacy of um, Bishop Barclay where you can punch this table, mm-hmm. but this table is actually a wave. If you view it a certain way, sure. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not actually, it's physical matter when you're objectively observing it that way. But when you right. observe it another way, it's a wave like in motion and it's mm-hmm. a bunch of particles like moving around and stuff. So it's like we construct things to see them in a certain way, Yeah. but it's not actually that it's, it's something else as well. Right. And that's always, that's underlies everything. It underlies the entire world that we <laughs> inhabit. I know. Yeah. I mean, I remember something that stuck with me was that like, it's possible and is happening somewhere that like, you could like stick your hand through the table just like because the atoms would align in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And um, it will never happen on earth probably given like probability, but it'll happen like some, like some way. It's just like so funny to think of these, like, I mean, yeah. in that way, science is such a, such a mystical endeavor. I mean, I know people will be like, you know, they're like, science is just oh, an approach to trying to understand things systematically. But, the things that it produces are always so mystical. Yeah. Um, because the everything is mystical, I think, mm-hmm. you know, if you get down to it. Right, the magical universe, yeah. for sure. Um, should we get back to demons? we have anything more yes. to say about... Uh, <laughs> yeah, what... <laughs> about dumb demons? <laughs> Did y'all ever hear um, the story of Donnie Decker from Stroudsburg, PA? No. I've been to Stroudsburg and... Wait, like the Jake Gyllenhaal movie? No, that's, that's uh, Donnie Decker. That's Donnie Decker. <laughs> uh, um, I didn't know that was in Strasbourg. <laughs> yeah, Donnie Do- Decker. Yeah, what happened? Um, it's a really fascinating case that in, includes exorcism. Mm. Um, this dude was like in jail for like uh, being found with stolen items or something like that for like a short time, like four months or something. Uh, during that time that he was in jail, his grandfather died. And he was furloughed from jail for like seven days or something like mm. that um, to attend his grandfather's funeral. Uh, his grandfather allegedly beat and abused him. And 
it was not really the best time for him. He was upset. He didn't want to stay with his family, so he stayed with two friends. Um, and he has the nickname The Rain Man because while he was on this, like, first night after the funeral, sitting in this, like, couple's house that he was staying with for a few days, it started raining indoors. Um, and he was said to be in, like, a trance-like state. And this case is, like, one of the most, like, well-observed by, like, police officials and everything. It's, like, got a lot of backbone to it, and it's very interesting. Uh, so the authorities were called, and um, they experienced the rain and noticed that the rain wasn't only coming like from the walls and the ceiling, but it was going from down to up and from side to side. Wow. It was moving in very strange, abnormal ways. Um, ultimately, they were all pretty spooked. Um, they left to go to the pizzeria down the street, um, and as soon as um, Donnie Decker left with like his friend, they sat in the pizzeria. The rain had stopped inside of the house they were just in and started in the pizzeria. Wow. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, like, the owner of the pizzeria, I think her name was Pam, maybe. She, <laughs> Pam. She was like, this dude's possessed. And she took, like, a rosary and uh, told him to wear And he, like, touched it and his hand burned. And um, they left the pizzeria. The rain stopped. Um, went back to the house. Uh, the rain started again, I think. And then in front of these people, he was levitated and tossed across the room. Wow. Um, so, you know, it doesn't stop there. They got the first exorcist in. And the first exorcist, I don't think she was like even like a real exorcist, exorcist or even in the Catholic faith or anything like that. She was just like a spiritual person. Ooh. She was like doing, <laughs> she was doing her thing and it seemed to help. And, like, the rain seemed to stop. Um, then he had to go back to jail to finish the sentence. And in the jail cell, uh, there was, like, shouting from his, like, jailmate to, like, let him out because it was raining in his jail cell. And, like, the jail warden or something comes in and is just like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> uh, and makes, like, a joke to him. Like, why don't you go make it rain in this guy's office. And then that <laughs> happens. Oh my God. And then another exorcist ends up coming into the jail. Um, and he doesn't believe Donnie Decker. And at this point he just thinks he's like a wizard. He's just like, I'm so powerful. I can make it rain on will. He would do this thing with his hands. And, uh, so this real like exorcist priest guy comes in. Um, it starts happening in the room. However, he claims that his Bible wasn't getting rained on. Uh, hmm. and he like prayed with Donnie Decker and apparently like the whole ordeal was over, but it was like witnessed by so many people. And wow. I find it very fascinating that like the element of water was involved. Yeah. Like, he hmm. was making it rain in all of these different places in front of all of these different witnesses that would be considered credible being like law enforcement and right. civilians and the landlord and stuff like that. Yeah. That is wild. <laughs> and in yeah, Stroudsburg. Great too. anecdote. Um, Huh, when, when was that? I believe it was in February of 1983. Oh, it's relatively recent. That's interesting, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you can hear Donnie Decker like talk about it too. There's an Unsolved Mysteries um, episode along with him. Uh, mm. I believe he was recently arrested again for arson. Whoa. Hmm. Well, <laughs> that's kind of symbolically charged. Yeah. Arson. Um, yeah. After all, the, after all the water, I mean. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Huh. 
Well, he's dealing with the elements. Right, know? yeah, he's like a... If he could raise the earth. Right, he's... Uh, a water man. He's the avatar. Yeah, yeah. Not, yeah, you know, the last airbender. The last airbender. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, yeah, um, I left part of that story out. He was levitated a second time and thrown across the room and had uh, bloody claw marks on his neck. Whoa. Right, in front like, of officers. So, yeah, I mean, this is like... I'm sorry that people had to listen to if they did like an hour and twenty minutes of us being like his little history, <laughs> like that's the real stuff. Like what what's happening there? You know, like yeah. there there are all these cases of like people <laughs> in a church getting tossed around a room. Totally, and yeah, like the levitation stuff is nuts. Yeah, and like all these very physical effects of possession. Yeah, that happen to people, and that's it's. Yeah, I don't know. It's it drives me nuts. Like. That's so crazy to wrap your head around. I mean, I imagine that, I don't know like what the consensus is here, uh, but uh, um, nice. uh, I mean, I like to think that there is a spiritual realm in which beings exist. Yeah. We of course think that, um, no surprise to our listeners. I think a lot of like the, it's to me, it seems like there's the rational sort of Newtonian lens on everything. But I think that if you speak to most people, a lot of people like can lend themselves to this stuff um, if you talk to them about it. But we have this way of um, projecting the human important, the human form of consciousness and the importance of that as being like everything, you know, when it's probably not at yeah. all. You know, there's probably so many other levels to what we consider our existence yeah that is beyond us and even with our relationship to nature you know like sure. we see ourselves as being like this the only thing and obviously we're destroying our planet because of that you yeah know? um i was there's this other um you know like have you heard about like the Findhorn community they're like a spiritual community um and there's one of the guys that was heavily involved in that uh, and I can't remember his, I think it's, uh, I know his initials are ROC cause I called him rock, but he was like this old sort of, I think he might've been Scottish or something like that. Um, and he talks about all of his interactions with the being, he just like suddenly one day was able to see these beings. And a lot of them were like, uh, they looked like fawns and, and satyrs and like pan. And he was able to just like have this like sort of long relationship with them. Our... O Ogilvy Crombie, I think his name was. Um, but he was, yeah, he was part of this community of like, uh, I think it was like, it wasn't theosophical or anthroposophical, but it was sort of in the same genre of like a, a spiritual community, maybe with a little bit more of like a um, culty, not culty, but like like separate, like they weren't there, like they went to a place and lived there, like they had a camp. Um, but he has like uh, these recorded lectures or like just like retellings of his experiences that I've been listening to and it's just really it's really strange uh, hmm. stuff the way he because they're not and like the the being pan that he speaks to is like why aren't you scared of me aren't you supposed to think that I'm like the devil and he's like saying all this stuff like you guys made me like look like the devil like <laughs> why are you like doing like can you tell people to stop like all this like stuff about like his image being used like for evil when he's like not, he's like a, a being that represents like, but then like he also has like he, the, the being pan is telling this guy, like, I also have like an aspect 
called like Antipan or something like that, mm. who is like the, the, the bad aspects of me. And sometimes people will talk to that, like that all these spiritual beings have like anti versions of themselves that are like the inverse or like the bad aspects of all the things they represent. So yeah. for Pan, like, I don't know, like if Pan represents nature, like the fury of nature and like disaster and mm. like, or like decay and like, you know, like, but yeah, that's a really fascinating thing. Um, I think it's just called like conversations with Pan or something like that, hmm. but that's, yeah. I'm glad Pan is comfortable in his duality. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think Pan, I'm going to go down a little tangent again, but I think Pan has a relationship to Saturn, right? Isn't Saturn yeah. like the god of time? Or at least, I've heard that too. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure. And then they both sort of relate to the demi, the idea of the demiurge. Because who is who's Saturn? What's the Greek equivalent of Saturn? Because um, Saturn's Roman. Um, it might actually is be it Chrono? Pan. Cr- no, Chronos. Chronos. Is, yeah, that's right. Chronos. Chronos. Because yeah. Pan is. Uh, yeah, I don't think Pan has like a planet. That would be sick, though. <laughs> What's Earth? I think. Oh, that would be great. Yeah. Isn't that Gaia? What's Gaia? Oh, that's whew. <laughs> that's a network. Yeah. <laughs> That's where David Icke has his new show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're, After we're he got kicked off inadvertently Twitter. plugging <laughs> yeah. David Icke. Um, yeah, I think yeah. that's like the idea of Kronos or Saturn eating its child is time. Yeah. Um, you know, eating age, eating the young, which is keeping that, that constant wheel spinning, which is the idea of the demiurge, the earthly god of serving yourself now as opposed to later. The craftsman. Yeah. Um, Did you watch the interview on about the Ed, uh, switching topics a little bit? But Ed and Lorraine Warren did this one um, investigation of the Snedeker house, and it was this family who kind of all said that they were dealing with like an incubi, essentially being like um, physically assaulted and probably molested by this like demonic spirit. They, this this was probably in the nineties. Um, what's the what's the talk show host who? It's like the older woman with the glasses. Is that Sally Struthers or something? I don't know. I forget. It was on one of those shows. Um, but it, it's a really it's a really great YouTube video to watch because it's this family talking about this experience, and they moved into this home that used to be a funeral home, and there was apparently like the um, first mistake right there. Yeah, there was apparently like a necromancy happening there like talking to the dead yeah or, i'm sorry what's the um necrophilia <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's quite a step worse i think <laughs> my, my bad <laughs> in my honest opinion <laughs> yes yeah, we're getting a little long in the tooth here <laughs> yeah um, like and then they so there's this family and they talk about this stuff and they write this book and the dude that they wrote the book with was an author of like primarily fiction before that and this author talked about it and was like, yeah, that's basically like a black spot in my career because I worked with these people and basically made like a fake um, nonfiction, you know, yeah. like made up this story. But then like the neighbors are on the show and they're talking about this family's experiences. And it's it's so insane because like some of the neighbors are like, you know, I heard about what they were going through and I had a pen and pad next to my bed. And I would write down loud sounds that I heard outside of my window. And then I would recount that to when they said they experienced hauntings. And it was Mm. just a car driving by. (laughs) It's interesting, like, how badly people want to disprove other people. 
Mm. People can't like listen to other people's accounts and just be like, oh, well, fair enough. I mean, maybe yeah. you were experiencing something. I'm not sure. That's like uh, that's why I said like, I think earlier I said that uh, James Randi died, the amazing Randi or whatever, and he was like part of that whole push to delegitimize any possible supernatural things of any kind. Yeah, and I think that. I think he did a lot more like damage to skepticism than than he helped it because he just like it's like just flat out refusal that anything could ever happen. Mm-hmm. And, but I think it was also yeah, like an a annoying approach. <laughs> it's like really infectious too because that's like the default belief system of even like people that are like ostensibly Christian or like religious of any like they're like kind of just like that never happens and if you say it happens you're insane. Mm-hmm. Right, it's right. Completely closed minded. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess that's the funny thing is like we're sort of in the middle where you have this very rational idea of the world where it's like that is all those experiences are psychosomatic or something like that. And then there's the other sort of very American Christian idea where it's like that is definitely a demon. Like (laughs) that is 100. Yeah, it's a demon, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think... I tend to just like lend credence to people because I don't really lose anything if somebody's just lying to me about like their experience. Like, but I think I do lose something like of my own like soul if I'm just like, you're lying to me and I will never believe in anything. Like, yeah, right, right. I mean, there's certainly people make careers on this stuff and riffs. We've talked so much about the idea of hoaxing. Right. A lot of it is, I think, hoaxing. Sure. But, but not I mean, all of it, by any stretch. It's such a, like, if you really want to, like, try and make a lucrative career out of hoaxing, like, yeah. it's more power to you. Yeah, like, I've tried. <laughs> I haven't tried. Yeah. I have all these, like, stigmata on me. I can't get rid of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so it's choice. so absurd and insane yeah. that, like, even if you are grifting people, like... I almost respect it more. And then you're, <laughs> we could spin it back to like your own galemic gole- vectorization that right. you might be experiencing stuff because you manifested it. I mean, I really think hoaxing, I mean, I, yeah, we've talked about this a lot, but hoaxing is like magic, right? It is like ritual, mm-hmm. ritual magic. Hyper sigil. It's like, uh, yeah. I mean, I can't think of a, I mean, like, I guess a Damsky is a good example of like, yeah. Uh, probably a genuinely like spiritually intelligent, like weird kind of magical person who ended up like probably hoaxing a lot of his stuff. Mm-hmm. Even though I think he probably also did have like real weird experiences and encounters. And so it's kind of, it's always, always like mixed in. It's always like, yeah, that's why so many of these spiritualists like get caught hoaxing stuff. But then other, some of the other things they do like were real. Yeah. It's like, it's always together. I know, right. So, and that's the famous story about um, what were the sisters in uh, New England? The Fox, the Fox, Fox sisters. sisters yeah. yeah. So they. I think so. Yeah, the Fox sisters. Yeah. You're right. Um, they made their whole career out of creating this elaborate hoax where there was a rapping sound right. when they were table rapping. Yeah, this this spiritualism of like they were mediums, and when they would do stuff, there was that table rapping. Yeah. And it was actually the cracks, like the the one sister had this ability to crack her toes really loud, <laughs> some just weird bone structure. Yeah, and that's what it was exposed for. But then, the whole um, initiation of them was that they originally had an actual rapping experience in their house. Right. That was like 
supposedly a real thing that happened to their family, and then they replicated yeah. it <laughs> in this I, weird... Yeah. I, it's so interesting. Like, yeah, if you have, like, this crazy paranormal experience and you, for some reason, want to follow that as, like, a career path, I can imagine, like, just trying to recreate that for your for entire For sure, thing. yeah. <laughs> like... Right. I mean, so many of the seances back in the day are under scrutiny for being hoaxers. Yeah. The people that go to them are probably the people that want to experience things. Right. Whereas, like, it's hard for me to understand coming from, like, the other angle where, like, I experienced things I didn't want to. And, like, I am by no means ever trying to go to a seance or ever go near a Ouija board. Like, oh my God. Get you, that stuff away from me. You read my mind because hilariously I was going to split this table right now and say if we put a Ouija board here, who's who's <laughs> who's rocking it? I actually do have, I have one. I keep one Yeah, because I know Ben Ben messes with it and then I, Mike I never used not, it. No, I just, yeah, I've literally post. never used Mike's not one, going near that thing. <laughs> but I keep it in my car for other reasons. Because you would believe that it would be opening a door to something. Yeah, that's, I think that's my yeah. main fear, yeah. And in, in terms of egregores, the Ouija board is like a huge one. Mm-hmm. There's so much like, even like people that don't believe in any of this stuff and will never admit to believing in it, like they're still like weirded out by Ouija boards. Yeah. For like not no real reason. It's a board game produced by like the Monopoly people. Mm-hmm. But they're still like, well, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, like with all things magic, it's the intention. It's totally. not like the material board itself. And there, there's just so much belief in the Ouija board as something able to, to do that, that it almost makes it able to do that. Even if like, like, I wonder if there's like, it would be amazing to see if there's some kind of like study about the efficacy of Ouija contact over the years I and if it's increased or decreased. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't know about that, but it, I doubt that there is. But like, how would you even get that data? But it, yeah, I've heard different things about the process itself and like the sort of um, subconscious linguistic understanding of it, right. of how you're like creating a new pathway. Yeah. Um, or yeah, but it's weird that a relationship between two people has this. Um, telepathy almost right and freud apparently believed in telepathy yeah and, and i don't know what he called it. maybe he just called it telepathy in I his think, writings yeah. but him and young had a split eventually about like the extent of the the paranormal or whatever well he famously said to young that he believed in the collective unconscious but said that in Jung writing about this idea, he was going to create a sort of atom bomb of um, <laughs> occult interest, which yeah. probably it did for I, sure. I mean, I think World War Two kind of came in between the two, but I think Jung, I mean, he's still a, he's still like thought of as like a like, even though he was most of his writing is like pretty serious, like psychoanalysis. He's still like thought of as this like. Uh, occultist kind of or mm-hmm. like like a like a gnostic and that's part of his thing for sure but like i feel like people must always be disappointed when they like go to the bookstore and get a young book and it's like this is like just talking about like case studies of like people it depends with, on the book I totally think. well there's like there, yeah. I, but i think there's like maybe like three young books that are like of explicit interest except like there's like there's the red book and like, but it's all stuff that he didn't want published, and like his flying saucers. But even that, it's like, well, there's I it's mean, hardcore man, like psychoanalysis, you know. Man and his symbols, I think, is That's like a, a bridge because you could imagine that, yes, there was theos- 
theosophy and um, that sort of occult revival um, and the spiritualist movement, but you could also see a possibility of that stuff maybe fading out if there wasn't some academic mm. explanation of it that made sense, which right. is then you have Jung. But even before Jung, there was James, right? Like William James. Like mm-hmm. there was, I think that was, he was like, Jung was on a wave that like a lot of other people were in. Was, was Joseph Campbell just like completely influenced by Jung? I don't, I'm not sure. I mean, I think he came after him for sure. So yeah. I, I imagine, and like the stuff, but he was probably also influenced by like Fraser, which was earlier. It's almost a di- it's a different field. It's like anthropology, but it, yeah, Jung is so much anthropology. Yeah, I still like. I think of Jung as pretty dry for most, like good, but like Campbell is almost like pulpy. It's like it's like super exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think Jung gets into that stuff obviously with the red book and the black book black oh, yeah, books that's new huh they just or they just released that they just released that and the red book probably only got actually publicized maybe like 10 years ago or something yeah. but I, there was manuscripts and stuff right. and he obviously had the um the what's the um the one where he writes through Basileides the Gnostic writer, uh, Seven Sermons to the Dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that stuff is crazy. That's like, yeah. but that's like, that's almost like channeled writing or something, right? Oh my God, so good. The Abraxian mythology. Yeah. So we fired up the organ um, just in case any demons were in the room if they wanted to play the keys. They don't have the guts. <laughs> I gotta sleep here. Uh, Alex Jones. What's that got to do with demons? Everything. They don't have the guts. <laughs> that was good. Yes. Damn. Yeah. Impressive. Holy shit. Yeah. Can you do David Icke? Well, no. <laughs> well, um, he just like he looks like a fucking uh, nut, and then he's, he's he talks. And he's like, "I'm a footballer." I was a footballer. <laughs> uh, no, we shouldn't make he fun of the him. Queen. He'll send the reptilians after us. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, so how about Alex Jones? He like every time I look at him, the guy looks less and less like a human being. It seems like he's clipped at this point. <laughs> but he like he comes back and, and he's like he just like. Somehow every time he's like rounder and like more sort of like he's like kind of like being limited to like this sort of platonic form. He's like he started out as a human and now he's sort of just like a I don't know what he I don't know. I don't know. He's a reptilian. He might be a reptilian or like an amphibian. That um <laughs> egregore seems to be losing steam a little bit. Maybe. I don't know. He's he's still on the scene shouting 1776. <laughs> yeah. Well, I could be proven wrong in a couple of days if 
Yeah. They're doing like a million strong march in Washington, I think. A million strong man march. Stop the count or whatever. Stop the count. This is today is November tenth <laughs> or is it eleventh? Today's the tenth. Yeah. Tomorrow's so, the eleventh. It'll be eleven, eleven, twenty, twenty. Yeah. Who knows what's gonna happen? This weekend, I think there's supposed to be a like a Trump march in Washington that's going to like be pushing the the vote doesn't count angle. But. How is he going to win if the vote doesn't count? Like, somebody has to vote, like, for him to win, right? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty it's pretty <laughs> watery at this point where it's, like, certain states don't yeah. count, but the ones he won in right. do count. Yeah, the election. I guess we should talk a little bit about that briefly because yeah. it's pretty important. <laughs> I mean, I've been feeling mega weird. <laughs> yeah. Just about all that. Um, I mean, a lot of people are celebrating and stuff, and I guess I get that. Like, I'm very tired of Trump, but it seemed premature and also like the kind of thing that would happen in a in a movie. Yeah, I don't want to go too far down, like the whole political argument spectrum, just because I. I don't know, it's convoluted and like yeah. people are hearing enough about it where That's I true. don't think we're going to will anybody to I don't change wanna, their opinion of it or anything like that. No, um, I don't think we have any listeners that are going to be like, wait a second, this isn't a Trump show. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I mean, yeah. I think obviously... Not yet. Yeah. <laughs> Not until I drop this bomb. <laughs> but I do think it's interesting, though, like the the whole how the whole conspiracy field plays into that because yeah. it's, it's riding on that, the American history of conspiracies and how susceptible we all are to them because of our discontent, inherent discontent yeah. and paranoia. So now that conspiracies are a sort of mainstream element of our politics for better or for worse. It um, seems mostly for worse, right? Yeah, I, I mean, don't know. Probably I, the way that it's used, it's such like a... Yeah, it's very weapony. Yeah, and we obviously believe that there's like obviously political conspiracies in America that have happened. I mean, we're going to talk a bunch about them in this show, not in this episode, but eventually, on this show yeah, I mean, eventually. Yeah. But <sighs> I, it's interesting yeah. how that gets used against people's emotions. You know? Right. I guess, I mean, I'm just like a natural pessimist, so when I see people like a bunch of people happy i'm like well here we go but it's fine no it, it is fine yeah it's but, just scary you know it's just like everything feels very scary yeah um, even if it's not like as objectively exciting as like maybe some other like moments in this sort of whole ordeal have been like when we thought like i don't know what there was like i did feel like there were other moments where it was like this could be like the crazy thing, but like right now it just feels like everyone knows what's going to happen and it's like very like depressing. Well, everybody, it feels like everybody's standing on the edge of a cliff. Yeah. Nobody wants to, like even right now, like you're saying this stuff and I could feel the itch in my chest, but I don't want to say anything because I'm still like what, the what? political stuff. I just feel like I'm holding very close to the vest. So I don't want to talk about it too much. Like, I mean, it doesn't really matter. It's like not even in a way of like, um, not in a way of uh, polarizing any listeners or anything, 
but just that like i think like i mentioned before i think it's all so convoluted everything that's happening that i don't want to engage it in a very public space which is not, uh, yeah, this I, isn't very public. This is right. <laughs> it's like the great consensus on reality. <laughs> yeah. When half of our listeners went with you and the other half <laughs> yeah. went with with me off Dulles. the cliff. <laughs> <laughs> the um, Dulles brothers. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's all I yeah, I, I don't want to get into any of the minutiae of it other than it's really freaking weird stuff right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the vibes are weird. We're supposed to be leaving the era of demonization. Right. So no more demons after this. Or no more... I guess demonization is the creation of demons. So no more new demons after this. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't but, know. I mean, we can get back to... Uh, Real demons? The escapism of our podcast... Which is ghosts and yeah. demons. We're we're actually a paranormal podcast, so I guess so. But on the other hand, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, we shouldn't try and uh, paranormal pander, like put the blinders up either. If we're like in the in the middle of this really weird historical moment, you know. Right. I just don't feel. I feel more comfortable talking about tulpas and thought forms and. Uh, demons and egregores well, me too than i do talking Same. about like yeah. the current state on november 10th of american politics like yeah Wait. it's just november hey, 10th in a sense ghosts are less scary <laughs> in a very like, real sense yeah. um yeah i just feel like the uh, opinions and and how um fragmented everything is like you can mm-hmm. have a new uh, political opinion on a very specific thing every day by something totally. you saw on Twitter. Yeah, and I don't actually use Twitter, so I don't know. Yeah, I bet you don't. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I, I have a, yeah, I need to get off of Twitter then. Yeah. Um, so that's basically my fear of it all is like sure. just how fractured it is in that way. And yeah, I don't, I don't, God, I feel God blessed for not having a political podcast. Like I would never want to talk about that It'll stuff in a public right space because it's just yeah, it's complicated. Yeah, I wonder what's like the fucking uh, Truanon guys are doing right now. It's it's, no, it's <laughs> I mean, a guy and a girl. Whatever you say about that podcast, like they're super bold. Like I like I'm a I'm not you know I'm a, I'm a fan. I like I'm not a fan like a, in terms of fanatic, but I like the show. Yeah, everybody. Yeah, they're like, in a bad position. And the way that American politics is now, like we're all trained to wear our heart on our sleeves so right. much, where it's like you're fucking standing on a razor's edge. Yeah. With well, are you coming out as a Trump supporter right now? No, I'm just kidding. Not at all. I mean, <laughs> I'm just. Uh, no, I feel the the brief relief of uh, yeah, Biden's win. Um, it's just I feel like it really. I mean, you're right. It's it's being like. But we all know that that you know I don't want to go down this wormhole specifically, but we all right. know that the, the neoliberalism isn't really like saving anybody, but it's, we all know that. Yeah. Um, I think you're right about the whole, like you're kind of being not in any explicit way, but you're kind of being pushed to identify as something and to like experience a communal emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's fine to be pragmatically celebrating, you know, an emotion, a very emotional yeah. win. I think it's just, it's okay. I think it's, it's okay. I yeah. think I'm also like, yeah, I'm above average in my um, 
political skepticism, I think. Yeah. And like, I don't want to be caught celebrating something that I'm later going to be like mourning or like otherwise like confused about. Yeah. So I'm kind of just like, for the moment I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, that's a very cool development. I hope that's true. And I, I hope it's cool and I hope it's all good. Mm-hmm. I really like seeing everybody happy around me, even if it doesn't last. Yeah. yeah. It feels I mean, pretty good. Yeah. Uh, me too. I love when I see happy people. Right. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> what the fuck are they doing? <laughs> Looking out my window, like, what are you doing? Yeah. Uh, you smile a little kid. <laughs> I'll wipe that smile. Uh, anyway, the Joker. Um, yeah, the Joker is what we're going back to. Um, the Jester. It's just, yeah. I, I think it, it, it's a demonic time. Let's just come out and say it. Yeah. Hell on earth. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I've been re- I've been wanting to reread the revelations lately. Just of John. Just, of John. Yeah. Of, of that goofball. Yeah, what was his deal? He was like in exile on an island. Yeah. Eating like I li- uh, yeah, those are, those books are crazy. Yeah. Or that book. It's one, right? It's just revelation. Yeah. And he didn't have anything else, did he? No. He was a one hit wonder. Divine. Yeah. Um yeah, all the signs in the sky and all that Wait, stuff. Wait, is that John the Divine or is the Revelator... Is John Divine the, the Baptist or the Revelator? I don't know. There's too many Johns, just as there are today. There's yeah, only a couple. I, I should have studied more. That's why I got punished. John the Divine. <laughs> He's so divine. <laughs> Singing the blues over here. It's an incredible string yeah. band. Oh, yeah. Gotta love him. Yeah, I don't know if, if the divine is the revelator, but either way, yeah, I've been interested in revisiting that text. Um, totally. I've heard, like, again, David Hame Smith has a book about um, Kabbalistically dissecting the revelations, which I think was, yeah. would be interesting to read. I haven't read that yet, but yeah, that would be an interesting one to check out. But let's talk about fucking ghosts, man. Our ghosts? Let's, demons? Let's rain it all the way back in because that's why we're here. One more thing know? though. One more thing. Um, uh, I don't, well, and I have to, uh, hmm. Uh, one more, the elephant <laughs> boldly say one more thing. <laughs> one, just one more quip. Uh, Q sent me. Uh, Q is, uh, dead. Wasn't it found out that he was some guy in New Jersey? Well, there's some, I mean, I know some people that are very confident that Q is uh, Roger Stone. Stone, I've heard Stone, but I've heard, also heard that it started that from the Bannon Watkins. camp. Yeah, ban- like that, that uh, the, the 8chan guy who mm-hmm. like everyone's like, people seem to be really running with that. I don't think he's Q. I think he would just hosted the stuff, but everyone it's, has their own Q suspect. I mean, the fact that we don't know probably means that it could have been intelligence I think it prob- to begin I mean, with. It was at least involved with that. Because you're going to you're going to tell me that you can't like <laughs> get that IP from the original post right. and like know immediately. Yeah. Nope. Like I I I like talk about I text about wanting to paint my walls and then I get an ad for bare paint, <laughs> you know, like you're going to tell me that IP oh, isn't no. out for yeah. for Q. Yeah, it makes me want to get rid of my stuff. But Whatever. Yeah. Q. Um, all right, that was the one more thing. So are ghost demons? I don't think so. I think they're separate. You do? You think there's like the... Do you think there are spirits of the dead? Sweet little child ghosts of... Yeah. I think there are spirits of the dead 
I yeah. froze to death. I'm cold. <laughs> it's kind of like that. I need a blanket. I'm cold. <laughs> blanket won't help you now. Yeah. Dead boy. Man. Do ghosts age? I don't think so. Or do they I do they change with age? Like do they fade? Visually, yeah. Hmm. Do you, you are you saying that you think that they are um past souls? Well, that's where it gets complicated. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Try to catch you there. Um but yeah, I mean I can speak from my own experience and say the things that I've seen, I think very rarely are ghosts. Mm. Um, hmm. However, my sister, what she saw, I think was a ghost, which presented itself as like a glowing blue boy in her room. And then we discovered that there was a boy that died of tuberculosis in that room. So that all matches up. It's like, yeah, I think that was probably the shell of this like, you know, untimely ripped from the world boy. Mm. Um, however, I haven't seen things like that. Um, what I've seen have been in the form of like mists or shadows. Yeah. Um, but moving intelligently. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know what to make of that. Yeah. I mean, me too. I, I've never seen like a human being that looks like they like were a person, at it. but I've had like very weird abstract experiences and sightings especially when I was a kid like like you were saying before um yeah I mean but then there are people who like think that they see like a very detailed person right for sure yeah and sometimes they're like historically famous people or like you're able to like right make sense of who the presentation of this person like was you know yeah um yeah, like famous figures or like you had mentioned like um, Gettysburg before, how common it is for people to like have sightings there. Well, like, of course, because so many people died there. Like it's energetically like filled by so much chaos and pain, yeah, yeah. you know? Yeah. But then is it, is it a projection? We could just do this forever. This episode is <laughs> only 10 hours long. I don't think it's a projection. That's it. Yeah. Um, but I guess it could be. <laughs> I guess it could be. Though. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't. And do you think certain are certain people more prone to see ghosts? Or are they like tied to um, location? Do you think? I think that's where the term ghost gets confused too. Um, I think that potentially there could be like elementary shells. Um, that can attach to a person for some reason or another, follow them around. Um, I would say they're an intelligence like embodied by like something that had happened in a past life maybe, but the the mag- magnetism that connects them is like something different that I'm not really sure how to like talk to exactly. Yeah. But I think like I think one of the main differences between what we would consider a ghost and what we'd consider a demon is uh is that like the ghosts seem to be in like some type of like repetition of pattern, uh, right. whereas a demon seems to want to directly cause trouble of some sort, whether it be like energetic vampirism or like throwing things around, like causing chaos and fear. Um, right. Yeah, you know, potentially like p- 
possessing a person and um, draining them or making them do something awful, like mm. murdering their family or something like that. But I, I always like the the keel perspective of once you engage this thing for how it presents itself to you. This is something we see in occultism as well, or back to the contactee movement of like, when you engage this thing in how it presents itself, well, then it flips it on you mm-hmm. and it sort of stops making sense. And there's always that cosmic tricksterism, yeah. which I think interests me. What about, I mean, are ghosts then sort of like natural fixtures? Like if demons have intention, do ghosts, are like... Filament? Is the, is the ghost a person? Like, or is it sort of like the the shadow of, of a part of that person? Like, like, if I were a ghost, would I like be experiencing what the ghost is experiencing? Or could I be somewhere else in some sort of afterlife while leaving a ghost? I mean, it's a hard question. I don't know how yeah. to answer that. I mean, it's not really. I'm not Maybe necessarily we'll asking. Find out yeah, I'm not asking you to like tell. To tell you, you know what I mean. Like, but I think that's a relevant question. Like, yeah, definitely. Is that you? Like, like uh, is that person really stuck there doing the same thing? Like, anytime an observer is is there, are they doing it when they're alone? Like, the, I, yeah. I always end up reverting back to like theosophical wordings, like to explain these things, mm-hmm. because that was what I found like embraced it the most and so when i think about it i do think i use the word shell a lot because i see it as like an elementary shell Mm -hmm. i don't think it's really the person sure when i want to think about like the spirit that potentially has moved on or is stuck here i think there's this very gray like gradients that you have to like try to visualize to like see how much of that person is really in what you're seeing you know Mm. that makes sense yeah that's really interesting Huh. I guess, I mean, because, yeah, but if we're going back to that, maybe that Gallagher book for a minute, because he's, he's pretty much, I think I mentioned it before, he's, there's no room, there's no, like, wiggle room in thinking about, like, the possibility of a dead person right. still being here. Like, I mean, and he doesn't say it explicitly, but I, I assume he thinks that they're either in heaven or hell. It seems that way, yeah. Or purgatory. purgatory. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, um... So, like, that all these things where, like, you think you're talking to your deceased spouse, it's, like, actually a demon. Mm-hmm. Um, or so an I wonder, ultra-terrestrial. Right. Right. Is it could like, be something else, some type of invisible like, intelligence playing with your thought forms. Yeah. And you think you're talking to your grandma, but it's, like, something else. I don't think he goes into this, does he? But like, oh, man, that's too loud for the mix. <laughs> um like people in alien abduction situations seeing their deceased family members like well that's a twister right there right like i mean cuz they're everywhere like the dead are like in any of these weird paranormal experiences there's always that aspect to it maybe not it's not like a dominant aspect but it's like there are so many alien abduction things where like oh and my dead brother was there mm. um and like depending on where you're coming from that could like lend it some sort of spiritual significance, some sort of like weird, the aliens are psychic thing or like they it's all fake the astral light or something. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it seems like the dead are involved in a lot of these sorts of experiences, um, which I think is telling and important. I, yeah. I don't agree with Gallagher that like there's no communication between the living and the dead. I'm not, and I'm not really f- that familiar with like Catholic dogma or like tradition 
in terms of like that kind of thing like so is is that like a normal is that like a like there's no possible way to talk to the dead is that like a catholic thing it's frowned upon yeah i mean i know that like necromancy in a, but is it is it frowned upon or is it impossible well i think it's impossible yeah and yeah. that like to do it is just talking to demons yeah i like to watch um i think her name is Kim Russo, she's like a psychic medium. Is that like the she's Miami psychic or something, or like the? I think she's from New York. Yeah, yeah she's the, from New York. Long she's Island like, psychic. No, yeah, no, they really all have like town names. Um, Los Angeles psychic. And you know, it's like a brilliant show because she has celebrities on. She's yeah, basically yeah. talking to yeah. celebrities, like dead family members mm-hmm. mostly, or like um, what they perceive as ghosts. They're going back to the place where the celebrity had their haunting. And she's, like, picking up things in her, like, psychic vision and, like, usually ends up, like, talking about, talking to, like, the dead people in this person's family that are, like, still lingering around. And they're always, like, shocked. They're like, how do you know this about me? How do you know yeah. this? So, like, I mean, it's pretty cool. I know I can't do it. Um, yeah. I don't think I could do it, but. I, I don't know if I would if I could. Yeah. I mean. Well, I think Gallagher talks about that in his book, how you get back to that um, extrasensory knowledge of people and the history of their their familial history and stuff. Right. Well, he demons thinks, yeah, can give demons you Demons are telling you. Like, at a certain point, it's like, you could... <laughs> I just feel like he's replacing anything with demons. It's like, he's like, how does a refrigerator work? It's obviously not electricity. It's deep. Like, if it works, it's like, you know, it's demons just like his, like, fundamental like carrying mechanism like for psychic abilities because if so it's like yeah at what point does it stop mattering right if it's not it's not an occult book no you know and i would say like in terms of a book about demonic possession yeah it still might have been our best avenue oh i know i'm I'm very i think it was actually a a good book because like just looking at the other and he talks about some of the other books they're straight up like evangelical like right he's at least fire and brim wearing the brimstone cologne you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i wonder um if they're i mean i guess it comes with a territory because people who are like interested in this in like a less dogmatic sense don't really like talk about exorcism and like demon like they're a little more like uh, they're, they're less, you know, like, I don't know what the word is, like, uh, well, they're pagan. <laughs> I mean, are they though, necessarily? I think so. I mean, they wouldn't probably call themselves that because of it. it it's some sort of stigma, but I mean, like I always, that's what made this so interesting is having this aspect of the conversation when yeah. we spoke to, uh, Elizabeth in that previous episode, again, about the Grisha right. and, and when she mentioned, I forget who she was referencing that talked about the magic circle. Oh yeah, and how yeah. this person was. Um, was it Jake Stratton Kent? Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, and was was contacting a demon through these ceremonial magic practices, or not ceremonial? I guess that's not a good word to use, but um, whatever, using these magical languages. Yeah, and and this demon immediately says that's a farce. <laughs> like this yeah. whole construct that's not real. So then it's it's breaking a barrier where you're having a relationship. Like you're ha- you're initiating a conversation with this thing, right? And you're um, basically conversing as equals almost, where you're having like this feedback loop, right? Which I think when you don't have that Judeo Christian lens, you 
enable this feedback loop to occur, this conversation, which yeah. may be the, the, the whole power dynamic of it all, which we haven't even really spoke about. But we basically transpose this power onto demons, quote unquote. And, you know, we think of them as being able to control us mm. or being able to like, you know, cause a physical ailment or, or like make you convulse or right. throw you against things. a wall. Yeah. Or cause yeah. things. But when you don't have that sort of fear of God or fear of Satan, rather, either way, yeah. um, maybe then it allows you to just have this conversation. <laughs> it clears the table do, a yeah. bit. I do think it's interesting that in the sort of Catholic and Christian approach to, to demons, because, I mean, demons are part of a spiritual world, right? And they're sort of in the same arena of, like, being as, like, angels, kind of, right? Yeah, fallen like, angels. Is there, like, a... In terms of people, there isn't, like, a clear distinction between, like, a good and a bad person, usually. So I just think it's sort of interesting, like, when a demon... Like, it's, like, this sort of pure malevolence that, like, it's, I mean, because he talked a lot of, against, like, dualism and stuff, but it's a very dualist sort of thing, right? Yeah. Or, or, I guess, at least in terms of good and bad as a as a dualistic thing. The whole thing is cast in the shadow of medieval Christian ideology. Right. It's just, I just think it's it's interesting that, like, if demons are, like, these spiritual beings that in some ways are, like, you know, at least intelligent, right? Like... Well, they impart knowledge. I mean, right. that's the whole goisha is that you can use, or not, you, you can use, but you can have a relationship with certain demons who will teach you things. Can you talk to, like, angels in the same way? I mean, like, in magical traditions, for sure. Yeah. But, and then are, like... Yeah, it's just, I mean, I think it just has to do with the fact that they're, these are very different traditions, and so, like, the, the dissonance there is just based on that as opposed to, like, some inherent, like, you know, like, gotcha type thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't know, like... So let's close it out, and Mike can scare the shit out of everybody and tell everybody not why not to contact these things. <laughs> well, I mean, I do feel... I feel like things get invited in, and that's problematic. I think a lot of these houses that are you know, riddled with, like, hauntings and, you know, demons, per se, are probably, like, invited there at some point, whether it's by you yourself or somebody who's there before you, and it can cause a lot of trouble for other people afterwards. Um, Mm. That's all I'll say on that. Um, There's one place I like to share a personal story that I felt like there was definitely a demonic presence in this one house in Little Egg Harbor in New Jersey. And I was warned beforehand by this person I met. I was just like, met him, I was like, hey, it's my birthday. And he's like, cool, I'm gonna have a party in my backyard. Let's hang out. And I was like, all right. And he's like, but my house is haunted. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, that's cool, because I grew up in a haunted house too. Um, however, I did not know what I was walking into. I actually asked to go inside of his house because he kept talking about it. Um, as I opened the door and entered, there was just this heavy presence that literally blinded me. I couldn't see anymore. It was like a, I don't know how to say it besides like this, like thick red, 
feeling that almost made me want to lay down. And I just had to like mm. kind of feel myself back out of the house with the wall because I couldn't even see anything. It was so severe. And then I believed him. I was just like, wow, that's really fucking haunted, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, Did that, were other people at the party feeling that? Yeah, so to give you a little more about this situation, the reason the party is in the backyard is that nobody could live in the house anymore. <laughs> um, he had like a big military tent set up where he lived in the what? backyard. It was Whoa. like an old family oh house. God. Just knocked down the house at that point. His like family moved out when his like little sister was levitated above his mother in bed. And what? Everybody left. And See, this is stayed. what I told Yeesh. you. Yeah. Scare um, the dickens out of everybody <laughs> trying to use your Ouija so board. So don't out use there. those tarot cards, Billy. Yeah. Who's Billy? God damn. Yeah, I mean, the mystery is, like, why was that thing there? Is it something that was attached to his family? Is mm -hmm. it something that was, like, uh, invoked within the house? Um, mm -hmm. This whole property was really off. Uh, at one point, I, I had to go find a place to use to go pee, you know? And he <laughs> pointed, as I was walking, he, like, ran after me and pointed at this, like, big s circle of shadow in the meadow. And he said, do you see that black shadow there and I was just like yeah I see that he's like don't go over there I didn't even like <laughs> ask him about it what and then at midnight when it was my, my birthday a uh, flute started playing in the garage like some Irish jig <laughs> and I was just like I was just like you guys are like joking with me now right and he just had this like half terrified half like drunk and happy like grin on his face just like nah man like this place is haunted get out of here I love that oh my god I would not yeah I like hearing about it at least. Yeah, that's a good that's, place to. I whoa. think we should drop out right there because yeah, the flutes of Pan. Yeah, I mean that's kind of what that Gallagher book was about, you know. What you think you know what you're doing? Right. Yeah, that is scare you know. tactics. But it, it seems you have real. no idea. Oh my god! <laughs> Voiceover. Um, uh, terrifying. Yeah. yeah. Um. I guess that's so, it. We I talked for like a whole bunch. Um, we it's kind of a loose episode. But yeah, that's, that's good. good. Yeah, well, we haven't been around for about three weeks, so we had to get a bunch out. Yeah, um, we'll it's be also back the kind soon, of topic right? I think where there's so much going in. Like, we're not going right. to read a book about possession and then just talk about it as a yeah. possession until we get to Mike at the very end, and then we we will talk about it as just a possession. Right. Yeah. That story is crazy. Yeah. Do you think, I mean, yeah, well, like, la like, is the land haunted? Like, is there something with that, you think, too? I don't know. I mean, why don't we let them think about it? Pretty Who? strange place. Who are you talking about? <laughs> Who? Who's listening? Uh, Bob.
Oh, my God.